Mac Power Users, Episode 215, iOS 8. everyone, it's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie Floyd? I'm great, David. How are you? Good. It's hard for me to believe that we are on iOS 8, because it seems like just yesterday, I was waiting in line with all the other nerds to get my iPhone 1. Back then, it was just the iPhone, of course. Oh, I have such memories of the iPhone 1. I did not wait in line and get one, and it just about killed me. Oh, I did. I, I headed out of the office early. I made pals. It was fun. At the, at the time, I had a Palm Pilot that I had downloaded, like, Apple icons. And, like, remember the old, well, I think we're back then, were we on Tiger? Or I don't remember what we were on. Maybe it was before. But, you know, the old Aqua wallpaper with the, the blue, with, the like, the line waves through it. Yeah. Does that make any sense? It was, yeah, like, the standard yeah. wallpaper back then. Yeah, I had that on my Palm. I had tried to turn it into an iPhone before an iPhone existed. So I was ready, man. It was great. I, I almost failed the bar exam because of the iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah. You want to How that, so? That's a quick story. So okay. the the iPhone came out on whatever that Friday was. It was the year that I took the bar. Yeah. And um, we that that Saturday was like the last Saturday of our, you know, you take all these courses and you practice for the bar exam. And it was like our final test. It was like, this was the last test you were going to take to see how you were going to do. And then you were going to evaluate it. And they were going to give you like your final things that you had to study for the last two weeks before the exam. And so, you know, I am already distracted because the iPhone was released that Friday before and all of this other hoopla is going on and I'm not getting one. And um, so I come down, I come into this, sit into this auditorium style classroom because they're trying to, to simulate the, uh, the, the test taking of the, the bar exam. And the guy who sits down next to me, he, you know, is getting settled for exam and he gets ready to take his exam and he reaches into his pocket. And what does he slap on the desk right next to me? But a shiny new iPhone. <laughs> and and I am so distracted by this thing that is sitting just like inches from me that it's all I can do. I can't even concentrate. It's all I can do to keep myself from grabbing it and and just starting to play with it in the middle of the exam. <laughs> I can see that. I can yeah. see you doing it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, well, anyway, the uh, I, I don't even want to talk about preparing for the bar exam because that's a dark period of my life that I don't wish to go back and think about ever again. I know. <laughs> that's true. But but I will tell you that when I got the results that I passed, I said, screw it, I'm going to get an iPhone. Yeah. Well, we were, we were, our wedding was planned out for a week after the results came in. So if you want to make sure you pass the bar on the first time, just set up a wedding for the week after the results <laughs> get in, because then nothing will distract you. All you will think about is studying because you don't want all your friends to say, Hey, I heard you failed the bar. Mm, um, it, anyway, it uh, uh, yep. so iOS eight is out nevertheless. So we, you know, Apple has continued to iterate upon it, it used to be called the iPhone OS, I think. I don't even remember what they originally called. I think it was phone OS or iPhone OS. And at some point it became iOS, probably about the time the iPad showed up. And we've got this new version now. And uh, this is a significant improvement. And we thought it was worth doing an, an entire show on. So if you're listening at home uh, and you've got an iPhone or iPad, this one's for you. You're going to get a whole bunch of new tips about how to use this great new operating system. And I don't say that in jest. I think Apple really delivered the goods with this latest update. Um, I, I've been using it on my carry phone. We're recording this shortly before it releases. You'll, you'll be listening to this right after it releases. 
I've been using it on my carrier phone for about three weeks now, and and Kate, and I've been testing it even longer. And Katie, you've been using it for about a week. I've been using it on my carry phone. Yeah, you convinced me. I wasn't. Yeah. I, do, I don't do this. I do not install beta systems on my phone. It was actually kind of funny because we were on the telephone. I'm like, you just got to do it, and you sounded like, I don't know. It sounded like it sounded like I was convincing you to take a gun and go rob a bank. You know, and you, then you are you, an enabler. You were really resistant, and then once you realized you were going to do it, it's like I could hear this kind of. Uh, uh, caution to the wind, excitement in your voice. Like, yes, I'm really going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm installing a beta operating system on my phone. Let's go. Yeah. So anyway, Bonnie and Clyde, let's um, <laughs> let's talk about iOS 8. Um, well, I think before we get there, now I know a lot of people have probably already updated to iOS 8. And because we're recording this before that actually happens, we don't really know how it went yet, but there are always stories of things that go wrong anytime there's a major iOS update. And it just happens. So if you haven't updated yet, or if you're getting ready to update your friends and family, I think let's let's talk a little bit about getting ready for the update. And of course, the, the big things is backup, backup, backup your iPhone. And, and this is kind of the case where I think of a belt and suspenders approach is a good thing. Um, backup your iPhone both to iCloud, which is my preferred method of backup, but take a minute and also do a secondary backup to iTunes as well. Because if you do, and this is even great for you, you guys who are getting a new phone this weekend, um, because if you end up restoring that phone from your backup, if you can restore that phone from a backup on iTunes and do it via a wired connection, although iCloud is great, that wired connection is going to be a lot faster. And so the the trick there is most people, I think, at this point are running their normal backups through iCloud. I mean, Apple really encourages that and make it very easy to turn on. Um, and you do that in the iCloud uh, pane of the preferences uh, application yep. on iOS. Uh, but that just because you're doing it doesn't mean you can't get the old copper wire out and connect into your USB on your Mac, open iTunes and just click the backup button. And that doesn't that doesn't affect your iCloud backup at all. It's just like kind of a belt and suspenders. The other thing I would recommend doing, especially if you're one of these people that have got, you know, a year's worth of pictures on your phone and you not don't necessarily have them backed up anywhere else is do an independent backup of those. And the way to do that is to plug it into your Mac with a with the cable and open an application that's on your Mac that most people don't even know exists. It's called Image Capture and Apple puts it in there. And as soon as you open up that app, you can do it in Finder. You don't have to go find I think it's in the utilities folder of the applications folder if memory serves. But you don't have to look for it. Just go up to go up to um uh your um what is it called, Katie? Uh spotlight. Go to the okay, spotlight. Yeah. Type in image and an image capture will pop up. You open it up. And then it, it, your phone just shows up with all the pictures and you can copy all of the pictures and video off your phone onto a folder on your Mac, which is a great way to have a nice backup. We talked about uh, backups and I, I don't want to dwell on this, but we did get um, I, I heard from a friend you know, because we talked about the importance of backing up. And and we just did a recent episode where we we're talking about the merits of backing up to iCloud versus not because of the fear of security and since that episode aired, I heard from an old old friend who had a failed um, iPhone. She didn't back up the pictures, and she had two years of pictures of her son on it, and now they're just gone. They're just gone because she never enabled iCloud, and she didn't have a backup. So it just I just get constant reminders. And she was so – I mean, she was crying, I, and I didn't know what to tell her. I mean, it's just they're gone. Those two years of pictures don't exist anymore. 
anyway, um, not to be a downer, let's move on. Okay, so you're going to back up your, your device, hopefully make a separate copy of your pictures, which I think is always a good idea. And uh, then when you go ahead and hit the install button, which Apple makes very easy to do, it pops up on your screen, you press one button. Uh, it goes through some some procedures, and then at some point, it's going to reboot with iOS 8. And then you have to face a question. You want to talk dum, about dum, that dum. question? Yeah, because I texted you, and you didn't respond back to me, so I had to make the choice all by myself. It was a test. You passed. Okay. I made the right choice. I, I did consult Twitter, but I didn't trust those those Twitter folks. Uh, so the question that it asks is, do you want to enable iCloud Drive? Well, actually, that's not the question I was going to Oh, that's announce. not the question? Okay. It, the, you... the first question is set up new iPhone. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. When you restart it, it, it says, do you want to record, restore from an iCloud backup, or do you want to set up a new iPhone? I think for 95% of the people out there, I would say just set up, I'm, I'm sorry, restore from iCloud. Because if you've got the iCloud backups, you push that button, and then Apple restores all of your apps, like it repopulates your your pictures, you know, like I just got done talking about pictures, you have your pictures in iCloud, puts them back on your phone, it, you know, playlists, all the other stuff just, just comes back in. And it takes an hour or two by the time it's all done, but it's, it's pretty convenient. So I would recommend doing that. If, however, you, you're feeling the need to have just like a clean start, then you can say set up as new iPhone. Okay. Well, I, I have a little confession to make because okay. I am kind of feeling the need to have a clean start, not necessarily when I did the iOS update, you know, recently, but I am getting a shiny new iPhone 6 on Friday. And I I was thinking about this and I've had some issues with my iPhone 5 primarily related to battery life. I'm not sure if it's just kind of this particular phone or if it's some apps that are running in the background or or are what the issues Facebook? are. Well, I got rid of it now. Okay. Um but, you know, I've, I've, I read the article. I know the article you're talking about. I've done all that stuff. But, you know, it's just there's there's been I can't quite put my finger on it. But this is a phone that I have done the the iTunes restore probably for the last several years. You know, I have not set this up as a new iPhone because it's been so easy to do the iTunes restore for a long time. I mean, so this has been migrated from iOS, you know, four to five to six to seven to eight. And, and I've just always restored from backup. I know it's going to be a pain, but, you know, should I consider setting it up as a new phone and why? Talk me out of it. I'm I'm the wrong person to ask because I think it's silly. Uh, With an iOS device, it's not like a Mac. Uh, You don't have a lot of cruft in there. When you delete an app, it largely goes away. So uh, my, my opinion would be if you're having a little bit of trouble... Restore from iCloud anyway. Get the thing set up the way you want because it takes so long to you know get the apps in, and there's always going to be something you lose when you do this stuff. And then just selectively start deleting apps and and try it that way first. I, I'm just not a big fan of starting from scratch. If you've got a good reason to do it, you know, let us know or send in an audio comment. We'll put it in the live show. But I think generally it makes a lot more sense to just continue where you left off. Um, uh, on that, I, you know, we kind of went past that Facebook thing pretty quickly, but my wife was having a huge problem with battery life on her iPhone 5S. And I read the article about the Facebook app and we went and did the adjustments. She's still having a battery life problem. Then we just, we killed the app and that seems to be, we literally took it off and it seems to be fixing the problem. So yeah. I, I hear Facebook's papers app is a little bit better than the traditional Facebook app. Yeah. Daisy's going on to that one now. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm probably the wrong person to convince you to start from scratch, but if you really are feeling it, go for it. I think that's something that a lot of us old time computery people 
feel a need to do once in a while because it used to really help and it's kind of ingrained in our in our dna at this point but uh honestly it, they work pretty good when you restore them well and i tell you in in preparation in order to convince myself not to do this i have started doing some cleanup you know i went into itunes and i i took a hard look at the list of applications that i've installed and you know the, the thing about doing a clean install is you know kind of the idea of making your apps earn their way back in and i took a hard look at all those apps that i've got installed and you know what yeah the facebook app came off cuz that's not an app that i used and you know i went through and i said okay do i use this no i'm sorry tweetbot came off too i'm sorry not tweetbot um What's the other one for uh, the other Twi- social network that never Twitter. really took off? Oh, um. Yeah, but you <laughs> know. One. Yeah. <laughs> the one that they shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Net, the, it's the it Netbot. Net, Netbot. App. Net. Yeah. yeah, Netbot. App.net was the service. Right. And, you know, so some of those other types of apps have come off. And apps that I don't use except, you know, for when I happen to need them, th- those apps come off. So I, I went through today and I deleted 20 apps from my iPhone. I still have plenty on there. Um, good good for you, Katie Floyd. Does yeah. that feel good? It did. It did feel good. Um, the uh, Okay. So now that we're, we're going here, how do you organize your apps on your phone? Well, um, my original goal was to not have any folders on my home screen, although I do have one now, which I hope HomeKit will help me get rid of. But I, I organized my home screen based on my most used apps, although I do have one folder on my home screen called Home that has like my Wemo and my smart things and my Nest and my, you know, kind of home control stuff. And then pretty much the next screen is a stack of folders. Um, well, you know, I did a home screen post for Max Sparky, so it hasn't changed much since then. And so I have everything else on, on I have two screens, everything else on screen two you know, I have a, a news folder, a productivity folder, a finance folder, an entertainment folder, shopping, photography, social tools, reference, local, travel, and Apple. That's kind of all that Apple stuff that they yeah. make you keep on your phone. We Apparently, we do it exactly the same. Oh. That's how I do it, too. Sorry. <laughs> and I even have a folder on my home screen called remotes because <laughs> I have so many now. Uh, anyway, let, let's. <laughs> we still haven't talked about iOS 8, so let's get started. Okay. Uh, iOS 8, to me, is a, is a real kind of... Uh, course correction for Apple. I mean, they've always kept the operating system pretty closed down and there's been all these, you know, hacks and URL schemes and all these things people have been doing over the last couple of years to make it easier for data to go from one app to the next. And in fairness to Apple, it's not easy to make an operating system to be used on portable devices where people are downloading all these apps. And I think a big concern at Apple is security. They don't want application one to jump into application two and steal all your data. I mean, there there's a lot of articles on Android and problems on Android with apps that people get that are free to play. You know, it, it's a, it looks like a flappy birds game, but in fact, it's actually, you know, downloading your bank statements or something crazy. So uh, Apple has been very protective of the iPhone in that regard. And it's paid off because they've never really had these major security problems. Um, but, it's been a handcuff to us power users that really want to make apps work together. And they've delivered now. That's the big thing about iOS 8 is now apps can talk to each other. And, and, you know, last year was the big change in terms of the overall look of the operating system, which, you know, we've all got used to iOS 7 now. This year, they didn't change that so much as they changed the underlying parts. In a lot of ways, I feel like this change is more important than last year's change. You know, I had the, um, I, I got to tell you, 
my initial impression when I when I installed iOS 8 on my phone and I did restore it from a backup and I looked at it, I thought, wait, hang on, did this install? What's going on? Because it looked exactly the same. And we were so used from the iOS 6 to the iOS 7 transition. It was a huge difference. And yeah, then when I started using it and getting into it, it was it was very clear. The changes, although they're certainly not under the hood, they're I think they're more productivity related changes and and th- those are changes that that I appreciate. You know, I didn't necessarily need a new skin and a new look and a new feel to iOS, but it's really when you start using it that there are these subtle enhancements that that make using the device and really make going throughout my day a lot easier. Yeah. I I agree. And so if you're just installed it and it doesn't seem like it's much of a change, that makes sense because you've really got to start using it and get in deep to get the most out of it. And our audience is, you know, that's right in our wheelhouse. This is this is the stuff that's going to make us more productive. Um, And so maybe maybe now's a good time just to, you know, go ahead and change stuff up yourself, you know, change your wallpaper and change your home screen and, you know, stuff like that. If you feel like you want if you really want to change. Yeah. Well, even more importantly, Start figuring out how these iOS 8 tools so you can do some really cool tricks with your phone and your iPad. Um, I think a good place to start, I'm going to call an audible here, looking at the outline. I don't think we really covered too much. Uh, the keyboard is much different now and in some really great ways because you use the keyboard all the time on your iPhone and your iPad. And you know, I put that at the bottom of the outline so that we'd get to that last, and yet you, I knew you'd jump right to it. Well, you I just, just can't help it's, yourself. It's so important, though. Because, uh, you know, entering text into these things is is one of the big deals. And the keyboard now has a much better predictive text system. Uh, When you start typing, it figures out what you're typing. And it it doesn't just look at the letters you've typed in. It looks in the surrounding words. So if you start, you know, I'd say what time. And if I type in what time, for instance, one of the suggested next words will be is because what time is, is, is always comes after what time. And if you pay attention to that stuff, my typing speed on my phone is a lot faster. It's, you know, I'm, I'm just not one of those people that can type really fast on an iPhone. I don't know if it's my sausage thumbs or just, you know, general incompetence, but I look at people who type really fast. I'm not that fast, but using this new predictive text system, I'm much faster at getting at text in because it's just so smart. It figures out where I'm going uh, much faster than it used to. And so do you, are you using the, um, the suggestions at the top of the keyboard? Are you typing a few letters and then clicking the suggestion and then typing a few letters and then clicking the suggestion? Cause I'm yeah. almost finding that that can slow you down a little bit. Well, if you type as slow as I do it, it speeds you up. So I guess, or even just like, if you get a text message, like Katie saying, do you want to record tonight at 6 PM? And one of the, the suggestions is yes. And one of them is no. So you can't get faster than that. You always click yes. I always click something. <laughs> the uh, So I start using this keyboard, and there's a couple things about the keyboard that I think is a really nice improvement. That's the first one. Second one, uh, the, oh, by the way, they have not fixed the shift key, and I don't understand why. The um, You know, the shift key since iOS 7 released has always driven me a little crazy. That's that's probably my biggest complaint with iOS 7. I, I can't even describe it on the show because I always have to go back and look again. So on the default look of the keyboard, the shift key is um, is white with the, uh, with the arrow bold. And that is a shift. 
But then when it's not a shift, it's grayed out with the arrow white and the rest of the keyboard is white. So wouldn't you think that when you look at the key and it's a different shade than the rest of the key, that would be the bold one? I don't know why I cannot. I can't either. This. I get it wrong all the time. And yeah. sometimes the caps lock works and sometimes it doesn't. What's up with that? Well, I haven't had that problem, but remembering what is shift and what isn't, I guess I'm just getting senile. But uh, either way, that that that's one thing they did not fix on the keyboard. I wish they would have changed that behavior. Uh, but the other thing that is really nice, well, there's two more things. Number one is uh, the might as well talk about Siri dictation right here because that's where it fits. The little microphone key for Siri dictation. Uh, the the feature that I've wanted the most. Uh, since Siri dictation showed up is to have the ability to see the words as I say them, you know, up through iOS seven, when you use Siri dictation, which I use frequently, um, it would give you the little wavy line. It would record you. And then when you finish recording, it would do some work and spit back your words. Usually, uh, you know, how Merlin can just like turn a phrase. He would call Siri like, was I think the drunk dad, you know, who was like usually there, but just when you really depend on him, he just doesn't make it. I'm and, really sorry about this, David, but, <laughs> but, yeah. and, but, but now Siri gives you immediate feedback. So when I start typing or when I start speaking, the words show up as I'm speaking them, it's, you know, it's almost live. It's not quite live. It's still using the internet. That problem isn't solved yet, but it's it, the, the immediate feedback makes it so much more useful. And and it's really great. So if you had given up on Siri dictation and I always say you definitely need to try it. And I have found generally that it just works better. I mean, obviously they've got more practice with this stuff. And I mean, if you read the news, Apple is really taking dictation seriously. Um, they've got a whole, you know, facility dedicated to it in Massachusetts, which just keeps growing. I mean, you know, dictation, I think really is in a lot of ways, the future of text entry. For these devices. Anyway, so uh, Siri is much better. Siri dictation. We, we'll talk about Siri itself later in the outline. But when you've got that keyboard open and if you feel comfortable dictating to your phone or your iPad, now is a really good time to try it. And then the third piece, and this really is at the end of the outline, too. But since we're talking about keyboards. Add together. Uh, yeah, they now have the ability to add third-party keyboards. And this goes back to the security discussion we had earlier. I mean, Apple has always had this, you know, uh, real concern about putting stuff on your phone or your iPad that will compromise your security. And I don't know what could be less secure than letting third-party people design a keyboard. Because, you know, what's one of the most common ways to steal a password? Keyloggers. Exactly. You put a keylogger. And I remember years ago... When I could order out of a bag of a back of a magazine, a little, um, I don't even know if it was USB. It might've been the old keyboard. Remember the keyboards used to have their own proprietary plug, but you could order out of a magazine, a little plug that you put at the end of the keyboard plug and, and the computer. And it would just record every keystroke that went through that keyboard. And then later you could go pick it up and plug it into a computer and, and have a readout of everything they typed. And, you know, so Apple obviously didn't want to put third-party keyboards on these devices that would allow a third-party developer to do something like that to you. Well, they figured out how to make that happen, how to securely allow you to put third-party keyboards, and guess what? Now they're here. So uh, it's it's quite simple to use them. As, as this show hits the airwaves, there's going to be a ton of news articles coming out about um, third-party keyboards. I've been getting them already from people. 
Uh, there's a keyboard out there. Uh, I don't know if it's going to release on the launch or not. I don't know the name of it. That is all. Uh, was it, you want? You, do you say GIF or GIF, Katie? I don't want to get it wrong. GIF? Are you talking about emoji? No, no, no. GIF or GIF? It's a little animated pictures. I say GIF, but I think that's incorrect. It's supposed to be well, GIF. I, I, as long as as you approve, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, I approve. Um, so it's there's a there's a GIF keyboard that has nothing but like pictures of you know somebody. Uh, you know, you know, a movie star sitting on a bench eating a sandwich. Keanu Reeves. There we go. I knew it took me a while to get there. Uh, So you've got, you know, I've got all these silly pictures that you can put in. That's a keyboard. Now you just tap it and it inputs it. There's, there's third party keyboards that allow you to put a picture of your kid behind the keyboard coming out. And most importantly uh, for me, there's a keyboard. Most important of all. (laughs) Yeah. There's a keyboard that is really functional for me. It's, it's from our friends at smile text expander. They have a text expander keyboard, which I have now been using uh, through the beta and I cannot uh, give it up. I love it so much. So they have a keyboard that does all your snippets right from their keyboard. Because remember how, before, and this is an example of what iOS, what's great about iOS 8. Before, for third-party applications to use text expander snippets, they had to connect to text expander. There's all this, this stuff, hard work that was involved to make it happen. Now you can just use the text expander keyboard and use it in any application. And as an example, I answer listener email all the time from my iPad and my phone. And it would drive me crazy that I couldn't use that in the native Apple Mail keyboard or the Apple Mail app because Apple's never going to support something like Text Expander. And now it works just like just like butter. It's great. Scrolls like butter. And the way that you do that is you go into settings, you go into general, and then in keyboard. And and if you go in, there's now a new setting for keyboards, and you can turn on and off the keyboards that you want to use. And so you ha- these keyboards are installed as extensions from apps. So you you go and you download or you buy an app that that has a, a keyboard extension component. And I, I may be using some of this terminology incorrectly. And then that will show up in keyboards, but it doesn't just show up. You have to go and activate it. So you have to go into the system preferences, general keyboards, and then tell it that, yes, I want to allow this keyboard to to have access. And then you can likely configure some of the preferences and some of the settings within the accompanying app. But you actually get these keyboards by downloading the app. And the beauty of it is you can switch back and forth between the keyboards. So you could decide if you wanted to have that be your everyday keyboard, but then just by hitting the, I don't know what the little icon is called, but the little globe button or. Yeah. It's whatever. the uh, kind of the international access. Yeah. You just, if you click it, it will just scroll right through your recently used keyboards, just like you currently use to get to your emoji keyboards. And uh, it's, it's great. It works well. And then when you're done, you just click it again. Now, unfortunately, at this point, there are still some limitations to third-party keyboards. Like um, I noticed that the dictation icon is not available in third-party keyboards. And I think that's because Apple limits some features in the third-party keyboards. But I think that Apple's also going to be loosening this up a little bit because, you know, especially with the iPhone and the iPhone, iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus, we saw that there were some additional features coming to the keyboards that was facilitated by the larger screen. And I suspect Apple didn't want to include too many of those because they, they didn't want to give away what was coming with the iPhone. And I also, I think that they're going to be careful. They'd rather, you know, first get the thing launched and have it working and then add those features later than add the features from the beginning and have everything go you know crazy and have to, have to pull something out. Yeah. Hey, you know what my second favorite thing is about the smile keyboard? What? 
um, the shift key works. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know what, that is an excellent point. I also like the little smile icon. It makes me happy. When I <laughs> yeah. see it. But uh, anyway, so uh, keyboards are great. And, and there are a lot of other enhancements that are coming by extensions. In fact, if I can tease, um, we're going to have a bunch of really smart developers on uh, I, I think later this month is our plan, uh, but definitely in the next couple of shows uh, to talk about how they created these things and, and designing for iOS 8 and, and creating these extensions for iOS 8. I'm really looking forward to that episode. Okay. You're such a tease. Well, you know, you, you always jump to the bottom of the outline. So so, so uh, on keyboards, uh, just keep your eyes open. I think we're going to have a lot of interesting things like the swipe keyboards, you know, like that's very popular in Android where you don't tap, you just swipe your thumb across letters. Right. Uh, th- there's going to be a, a whole lot of stuff like that coming. Yeah. And I, I think these developers can start to collaborate some on keyboards too. Yeah. And, and you'll start to see multiple features coming to multiple f- keyboards. So it's exciting opportunities. Hey, we should talk about one of our sponsors. You you want to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first because we have yet another new sponsor this month to Mac Power users, and I want to welcome SmartThings. So this episode is brought to you in part by SmartThings, the easiest way to create a home. Uh, a smart home is using SmartThings because it lets you control your home using your smartphone from anywhere. And they've got a special deal. So for 10% off any smart home security or solution kit, visit smartthings.com slash users or excuse me, MacPower, and use the code MacPower. Uh, so David, you and I have talked about this smart things before. In fact, we talked about it quite a bit. Uh, I think you and I were both prompted to buy one of these because of, of Merlin Mann in the, in the Merlin episode, and he was telling us how cool that these are. And so I've got smart things set up in my home. I know you've got one set up in your home. And it, it really is an easy way to control and automate your home uh, using your iPhone. So a couple of things you can do is um, you can set up kind of a home security system with, um, you know, motion sensors or these little, um, you know, magnetic thingies that go on your door to tell if a door or a cabinet is open and closed. And they've even got a siren and water sensors uh, or liquid sensors. So you can tell that, you know, if, if something starts to overflow it's great. Um, you can also stay connected to your family. So um, you can identify who is who either by maybe an iOS device. So it can it can monitor your phone. Um, or if you have members of your family who don't have smartphones that have the smart thing app installed, um, they have a little dongle that, that kind of looks like a keychain that the smart thing app recognizes. So it will let you know when those people come and go and leave your house in the range of smart things. Um, you can be notified at, at some point if there's unexpected entry or movement in your home. So I have the one in my garage set to send me alert if, if there's movement in my garage between the hours that I'm normally at work. And so I can tell if somebody is at my house and, and why. Um, and another thing, I, I don't actually have this yet, but I'm thinking about getting it, is there is a, a water sensor. And those are, are nice add-ons because you can put them in areas that are, are prone to, to get moisture or leaks, like maybe in your laundry room or maybe in your in your bathroom behind the toilet or something. Um, and, and if it starts to detect moisture, maybe under your sink, um, it will let you know, hey, something's not right. I've got a I've got a leak here. And so you can stop it before it becomes a major flood. Uh, it's probably a really good idea in a vacation home, especially if you live up north where where pipes can tend to freeze. So if if any of these things sound cool, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and the really powerful thing about it is that it's an open platform, which means it's compatible with hundreds of other devices uh, and by dozens of different manufacturers. And it's it's really easy to set up. Um, in fact, I have set up a very custom um, iPhone delivery alert system, which is 
perfect for occasions like this. It's, it's got a monitor at my front door. So uh, you can integrate it with things like the Nest thermostat, the Dropcam, Philips Hue, Wemo, Sonos, any of that. So if you want to get started to create your smart home, just visit smartthings.com slash MacPower, and you can save 10% off the price of any of their home security or solution kits by entering the code MACPOWER, that's one word, all caps, M-A-C-P-O-W-E-R, at checkout. And so for our listeners, those solution kits start at just $170, and those home security kits start at $350, a lot less than you'll pay for a professional system. So you'll also get free shipping, by the way. So check them out, smartthings.com slash MacPower, and remember to enter coupon code MacPower at checkout. And thanks to SmartThings for sponsoring our show. Now that I've completely diverted the outline, can I just go random or you want me to go back to the top? No, you should totally feel free to go random, and I'll just try to guess where you're going. <laughs> uh, well, one of the uh, the applications I think that got a lot of love and much needed, in my opinion, was the Messages app. Now... I, I got to admit that I kind of missed the text messaging phase. You know, people who are a little bit younger than me text message and I don't have kids, so I don't have to text message a lot. And I have, I really, I don't know that I have ever gotten a video or a voice message. Maybe that's because they weren't available for now. I've got a couple of picture messages, but are are your kids going crazy over this? Well, they haven't seen iOS 8 yet, but I think they will. Um, I My kids are big textures. And I think a lot of kids these days are, and, and I, I have really kind of embraced it as well. I find it really useful. Like if I'm in trial, I can communicate with my secretary because you can't really use your phone in court. And it's really a great way to, you know, she can let me know if a witness is late or, you know, there's, there's certain things, bits of information I can get with that text that are really nice. Uh, but there's always been a couple things about that, that make me crazy. And maybe it's just because I'm a little bit anal retentive, but I, I don't like seeing notifications on my home screen. You know, I don't like looking at seeing a bunch of red circles. And it seemed like I'm always got these red circles on my messages app, no matter how hard I try. And up until iOS eight, the only way to mark messages as red and is to go in to each chain, you know, and, cl- and tap it open. And as silly as that sounds, that would always make me crazy. But they added a feature now. If you hit edit, you can just tap mark all as red at the bottom of the screen. And it marks them all as red. And then, you know, whatever chemicals in my brain I need are released. And I'm, I feel much better. Good. That, uh, but th- they've added more. They've added the ability to send voice and video messages. And it's kind of interesting the way it works. You hold down the microphone button. On the right, is it the microphone button or what? What does it look like again? Now I have to look. Uh, there, I should have uh, so much for research. Yeah, there's a microphone button on the right, and if you hold it down, uh, you it just starts recording right there. You don't have to slide your thumb at all; it just starts recording, and then you can you can tap the X to delete it, or you can hit the little arrow to send it. And, and, it's a gr- and this is this is walkie-talkie style. This is like if you remember the the push to talk phones. Yeah. Were, were so popular a couple of years ago. I guess it's been more than that now. But this is kind of bringing that whole movement back. I remember people used to walk through the mall or walk in public and push to talk. And then you hear. It, it's like they were on they were on like CB radios or something yeah, exactly. like that. Well, that was because cell was so expensive. It was cheaper to have these these um these other type of radios. So the problem I have with it is it, it really doesn't solve the problem. The, the text text messaging to me solves a problem. It allows me to communicate in places where I can't talk. 
and the sending audio recordings doesn't solve the problem for me because it it um <laughs> it obviously requires me to talk and it requires me to listen to the other side if if my secretary sends me a voice message that says the witness is running 10 minutes late i'm not going to be able to necessarily listen to that yeah. whereas if she sends me a text message i can pull out of my pocket i can look at that and then i can figure out how i'm going to deal with that problem so uh it doesn't seem like it has a lot of utility to me and if i want to talk to somebody i usually call them you know uh but i asked my kids about it and they're not sure either so i'm very curious to see what you know high schoolers and you know that age do with this right now maybe that will really take off for them yeah uh, but now it's available to everybody with an iphone so i guess we'll just wait and see don't message or video or, or chat me just don't do it now wow. he's gonna do it really yeah just saying. I guess I should delete this one I just made. <laughs> but I tell you what I am really excited about is um, more control over group messages. Because sometimes I do get on these group message strings and I'm just like, seriously, why are you including me on this? I do not need to be aware of this. Stop talking to me. Go away. Is that do I sound antisocial maybe in this episode? You know, don't. Don't talk to me in text. Don't group message me. Yeah, Don't do just, any of these just on this episode, though, just, usually you sound very social. No, normal. I'm I'm much more a social person. Um, but I, I is it now? Is this rule across the board, or can I just not send you the messages when you're at the sandwich place? <laughs> across the board. It's an across, across the, the board, board rule. Okay. <laughs> my, my family is legendary for these group texts, and it really gets really um, sometimes awkwardly uncomfortable when we start texting each other. And um, sometimes I think I would like to just get out of that. So now yeah. they have a, a way to leave those group conversations. Or and, at um, least just turn the notifications off. Yeah. Because so, maybe you need to scroll back there and see what actually happened, but you don't need to know about it when it's with, happening. With my family, I usually don't, though. <laughs> That's okay. the thing. But that, I think that is a nice improvement, the messages. Um, the, um, I've, uh, I, haven't, I haven't had anybody leave a conversation on me. I wonder if there's a, a, a notification that David Sparks has left this conversation. <laughs> no if there is, wants to hear if there from is you. Katie, you're going to find out very quickly. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there's another feature where you can send your location to someone, which, which could be neat, you know, especially if you're traveling or if you're in a city and you're meeting up with people. Where are you? Well, right here. Here's my location. And that feature always did exist, at least since the Maps app has been around. And even back in the old Google Maps day, if you just would find yourself, you could double tap on your flag and maps and you could share your location. I use it all the time, but it's so much more convenient in a lot of ways because usually you're you're texting somebody, hey, are you here? Yeah, but where are you? I'm not sure where you're at. And then you don't have to go to the Maps app anymore. You can share it right from the Messages app. Well, what you do if you're in the sandwich shop in that location is you take a video of the entire sandwich shop showing your exact location, and then you send the video text message to someone. I forget. What is the sandwich shop that you love so much? <laughs> I, I don't remember because I don't go to that many sandwich shops. No, you told me. I, I, go, I go to a – I mean, I think it was the deli. I think it was the McAllister's deli that I used McAllister, to go to. McAllister's. Because I was in Florida, and I was yeah. telling Daisy, I said, I want to go to Katie's sandwich place, but I couldn't they've, remember the name of it. They've got really good tea. Oh, do they? But but like sweet tea, not like David oh, tea. Oh, that's not tea. That's yeah. not tea. Um, okay. It is the South. All right. So that's a, that's a nice uh, enhancement, I think. Um, so uh, check out messages. I think that's one of the nice things uh, with iOS 8. Um, we did talk about Siri already a little bit in terms of the live type and how it's got better. Uh, one of the features they've added, you know, when you're driving down the road, 
and you um, want to use Siri to call somebody. Like I do it all the time. Call, you know, Daisy on cell. Um, in order to activate that, you would have to reach out and, you know, hold down the button on your phone, which is distracting when you're driving. So they've got this new feature called Hey Siri. And the way Hey, hey Siri works is you plug it in. It has to be plugged into power. And this feature has to be turned on in the Siri preferences. So you go to the preferences app in Siri and there's a, a little toggle switch. And if you say, hey, Siri, uh, the iPhone will stop whatever it's doing and start listening to you and, and perform a Siri command. And, uh, and, and people on podcasts can actually trigger it. So, for example, if I say, hey, Siri, play Mac Power Users. Well, yeah. they're already probably listening to it, though. But you know how many people driving around now you just screwed up their their system. <laughs> I was thinking about that. If I say that on the show now and they're driving, I may have just turned people actually off our show. Yeah, that would be a mistake. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know why. Number one, I think, Hey, Siri is, is silly. It's probably better than, okay, Google or okay, glass or whatever the Google version is. But Hey, Siri, uh, I, can, can I just say Siri instead of, you know, like in Star Trek, they don't say, Hey, computer. Could you could you set the auto destruct for me? They just say computer password one two three four five. Have you ever seen that 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 YouTube? Like no, the, it's it's the, like a one a two b three c. Yeah, the Starship Enterprise is the worst uh, auto destruct password on the planet. They well, need, they they need one password on the really, Enterprise. They really do, but. Uh, Anyway, so in, I was excited about the Hey Siri feature because I could see myself, the, the, the dream, and maybe this comes with the iWatch, is to be, you know, to have the, the iPhone plugged in somewhere, you know, maybe in the dock in my bedroom or, you know, maybe on the kitchen counter and me walking around and think of something and say, oh, hey Siri, add bananas to my shopping list. And she just says, okay, I've added this to your shopping list and reminders. But it, the reality is, is it does not work well. It certainly doesn't work well if there's background noise. It, it doesn't work well if you're playing music or, or playing podcasts or anything like that, because it has to dif differentiate your voice from whatever's going on in the background. And it doesn't work well if you're doing it from any kind of distance, which you probably are if you're your hands free. Because the microphone doesn't pick you up. And, and maybe the microphone's a little bit better on the newer phones. I don't know. But I was really excited about this feature. And in practice, I've just found it hasn't worked that well. I, I've had better luck with it um, in a couple contexts. Uh, I, I use the elevation dock, which which you wrote about as well. And, and I at, I have one at work and one at home. And it's it's just a nice little dock that locks down your your surface. And the one I have has two port. It has two like docks in it. So I... At, at work and at home, the iPad and the iPhone go into this dock as soon as I get there. So my phone and, and iPad are always charging when I'm not using them at work or at home. But the thing I didn't realize is, yeah, they're both always charging. So I wanted to, you know, I, I use a Siri to, to run a timer when I make my tea multiple times a day without anything sweet in them. And uh, so I said, the first time I did, I said, hey, Siri, and then both the iPad and the iPhone fired off they're like okay i'm ready i'm here i'm ready what do you need and it just got really confusing i was running multiple timers and you know <laughs> it was nuts um and then in the car i've been using it and i have the way things are set up in my car is my phone goes into one of those windshield docks and um and it's close enough apparently or it's connected to the bluetooth of my car that if i say hey siri it works but i have the merlin man drunk dad problem where 
it works probably about 70% of the time. And that's not good enough because when you can't rely on it three times out of 10, then you're just going to stop using it. Uh, and part of that is uh, I'm using it while I've got podcast playing or music playing. And, and sometimes it, it performs like a champ and sometimes it doesn't. The other problem I have is there's a slight delay with it and it seems, or it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's actually too fast in a way because with my Bluetooth system, I don't hear that first, you know, when you activate Siri, it goes beep, beep. And then later it does a higher pitch, pop, pop, you know, and, uh, the, I, a lot of times I don't hear that first one. So I don't know if Siri is actually listening or not. So I think there's some work to be done there, but I'm on board with the concept of it. And though, and if there's a good, reliable way to activate Siri hands-free while you're driving, I think that can only be good. Yeah, I, I agree. It just doesn't work well for me because most of the time, like you, I'm, I'm listening to music or listening to podcasts in my car and it's like, wait, what do you want me to do? I can't, I can't hear it, but Anyway, yeah, decide, it's, it's for, decide for yourself. Go into Siri, enable it. And and this relies upon it being plugged in. I don't want to understate that. I wonder what the battery usage is to have it constantly listening. It must be something significant because I think it would be nice to have the option at least to even do that when it's not plugged in. I, I think it would too. And and you got to wonder if it's it's always listening, what is it doing? Do you know, is it not actually sending any data until it hears the Hey Siri trigger? Oh, What's it doing with that data? It's a computer. It said, did she say, hey, Siri? Did, no. Did she say, hey, Siri? No. Did she say, hey, Siri? No. I mean, that's what a computer does. It just con- it continues to run that loop. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, some other stuff that's new. The Photos app. Okay. Um, so the Photos app is supposed to bring you a couple of things. It's supposed to bring you better search of your photos. But I got to tell you, in practice, that I found a lot of my photos were missing, photos that I didn't specifically take on the iPhone, and even some photos that I did take on the iPhone, I couldn't find in the Photos app. It it seemed to have big gaps, but I'm thinking this will be a lot better when Photos for the Mac comes out and all of our photos are just in the cloud. Yeah, so, you know, we're kind of in a strange state of flux right now. Uh, It's This is not a new problem for our listeners. We've been talking about it on the show for literally years that photo management is really hard and it takes too long for people to, to sort this stuff out and it's not very reliable and it's a problem on every platform and Apple, you know, the, and when they announced iOS eight at WWDC and I believe it was June, they said, okay, we we've tackled the fo- the photos problem. We're going to save all your photos for you to iCloud and we're going to have this great app on the iPhone and the iPad and in, early 2015, we're going to have a great app on the Mac and everything's just going to work, which is a great promise. Uh, But right now we don't have a really good, reliable way to access the same data from our Macs. So everything is in flux right now. So, you know, you're just going to have to deal with it for a while. Yeah. But I, I will tell you what I was really happy about is the additional editing tools that came in the photos app. Um, We've always had some basic additions like crop and auto enhance, but now there's some some more editing tools like you can actually straighten um, photos and the, the the auto enhance and the smart adjustments seem to produce much better results than they did before. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that. I, I wonder what's going to happen to iPhoto for iOS because iPhoto is going away as as is Aperture on the Mac. They've announced that. So I've got to believe at some point they're going to start folding a lot of those iPhoto iOS features into the Photos app. It'd be so, it'd just be weird for them to keep iPhoto on iOS and not 
on the Mac. That being said, I think iPhoto is one of the best photo apps on the iPad and the iPhone. I mean, it's really powerful. And I really like the user interface stuff. So I don't know what's going to happen. So it, hmm. it's, it's going to be curious to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I tell you, I really liked um, one of the things I did with iPhotos on iOS last year is whenever I traveled, I made a iCloud journal, which you could do from the Photos app or iPhotos app on iOS, which was a great way that you could publish that to your iCloud space and share it with people and say, hey, this is where I am. These are my travels. These are my, you know, whatever, pick 20 best, you know, photos of the day. And it would it would work really well for that. But uh, I, I don't see that feature. I mean, there's there's iCloud photo sharing, so you can share an iCloud stream. But but sometimes you don't want to do that. Sometimes you just want to publish things to the to the web, which I know you can do with iCloud photo sharing. And yeah, yeah I hope some of this comes back. I hope they keep it. But knowing Apple, it seems to me like probably more likely that they'll scrap iPhoto. But we'll see. Another thing that and this is a, a thing that's not immediately available or, or viewable when you first install iOS 8 is that they have opened up the camera controls a lot. In fact, let's talk about cameras more. But before we do that, I should probably talk about another sponsor. Okay. Um, the uh, And that is Citrix. Um so if you, everybody has this problem with email attachments, especially in respect to work, you know, if you want to enhance your workflow and send files of almost any size easily and securely, you can use Citrix ShareFile. So you go to sharefile.com today for a 30 day trial. Um, and to do that, go to sharefile.com and click on the microphone and enter MPU. So most business emails include some sort of attachment or documents, spreadsheets or PowerPoints or keynote files, uh, contracts, photos and more. And we need that information to be received and get into the right hands and remain confidential. Uh, but with the file size restrictions, bounce back, security breaches and clogged inboxes, it's not always that easy. Uh, that's why you want to use Citrix ShareFile. It's important to every business. Citrix ShareFile sends your attachment as a secure link so you can send files of almost any size with the highest degree of security. Receive notifications so you know who's downloading your files. And plus Citrix ShareFile, you can access files from anywhere, like a laptop, a tablet, or smartphone. Citrix ShareFile does it right. Uh, it's easy to use and it integrates into any business. And if you're not using ShareFile yet, you need to go sign up for a free trial. There's no credit card required, nothing to lose. You'll see why millions of professionals rely on it every day. To get started today uh, with this special 30-day free trial, go to sharefile.com and click on that microphone at the top of the homepage and enter MPU. That's sharefile.com and tap in MPU. So thank you, ShareFile, for supporting 5x5 and the Mac Power users. I think it's a really good idea to be able to use something like ShareFile where you get a receipt and you know when someone downloads something. You know, when you're in business, it's really easy for the other guy to say, well, I never got that. You know, and if you just send them a Dropbox link, you'll never really know. With something like this, you're going to have a record. Go check it out and thanks ShareFile for supporting the show. All right. So other new features of, of iOS that you want to talk about the camera a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, in a lot of ways, iOS 8 is like the stealth update. They, they enable a lot of stuff for developers to make your phone awesome. 
you're not going to see it when you first download iOS 8, but then as you start adding apps, you're going to be like, you're going to get your mind blown a lot, which I think is awesome. Uh, so one of those is cameras. I mean, we've always had the ability on the camera with this kind of unique touch interface where you, if you had a picture and you're taking a picture of your kids and the background is really bright and the kids are a little dark, you just tap on your kids and the camera changes focus to the kids and it kind of resets things so you can get a little better picture. And that's a great function. It's a great workflow, but it doesn't give you that much control. You've never had the ability, like if you have a big boy camera, you can set the f-stop and you can shut the, set the shutter speed. And you know you can even you can make take a picture that the camera might not think is a right, but it's exactly what you want to do. And finally, with iOS eight, they've opened up those controls. So we're going to see some great applications coming out from third party developers that let you control the camera in your iPhone and your iPad much like you would control a conventional camera. And I think that's going to make for some really great photography apps. And even more so, I think, with the new phones that are going to come out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, So I think that's a really great camera feature. In the native camera app, they've added time-lapse mode, and they've got some great samples of this on um, on the Apple website. And if you're interested in time lapse. I, I highly recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. We do tons of time lapse in our house. Like we time lapse every year decorating the Christmas tree. Oh, that's fun. You know, we just set it up in the corner and you forget about it, you know, 10 seconds after you set it up and just have it take a picture like every, you know, 30 seconds or something. And then you end up with like a three minute video at the end. And it's just fun to see the whole thing kind of go together. But give it some thought. Uh, if you're going to do time lapse, get yourself a tripod. And there's like a million of them out there that will hold an iPhone these days. Uh, but get a tripod, set up the time-lapse, and, and just give it a try. Okay. I, I've also done it with my daughter when we built Legos. It's kind of fun to set up like a time-lapse and just watch the thing come together. Uh, with, a new, with a new phone, uh, this is more a new phone feature, but now they've got, I believe it's 120 frames per second slow motion. This is just going to be crazy. What do, you, do you use the slow motion now? Because I don't have the All... new phone, so I don't have slow-mo. Katie all the time. Okay. So I, what are, I love the slow motion. What are you, what are you taking slow mo? Uh, I, I just took a uh, slow motion a couple weeks ago at a family party of one of my little nephews beating the hell out of a pinata. It's okay. awesome. <laughs> I took a, uh, it took slow mo just recently went to Disneyland. I took slow mo of the fireworks just to see how it would look. And that was, that came out pretty cool. Um, I, you know, when we go to the park and the kids jump off something, I take that slow motion and they love watching themselves. I guess it's a lot of a kid thing. I mean, I don't take too many slow motions of myself, but uh, it's really fun. I, I don't know what to say. And then at 120 frames per second, we're going to start. I want to like I want to fill up a water balloon and shoot that as as we pop it. You know, at 120 oh, frames per second, it's actually going to be kind of cool. Okay, I I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I don't have kids or I don't have pets or any of that to. Yeah, maybe it's a kid thing. I don't yeah. know. You could take a slow motion, you know, of, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say something Of me about eating Star a sandwich? Trek. Yeah. No, I, I was actually thinking more Star Trek, you know, take a slow motion of, you know, the Star Trek Enterprise passing by or something. But I, I, I don't, I got nowhere to go with it. All right. Sorry. So maybe we better move on to another feature. You, you could take a slow motion of turning your, your UPS device on. <laughs> okay. Um, Great. Okay. Quick time. Quick type. Quick type. Whoops. Yeah. We already talked about that. Yep. Um, iCloud Drive. Can we go back to my original question about iCloud Drive? Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk, let's talk about what it is first. Okay. 
Yeah. So iCloud Drive is is basically Dropbox. <laughs> no, it's um all of your iCloud documents are now going to go into a dedicated folder a la iDisk, right? Yeah. But but here's and and now I got a little rant here. My understand there's a big warning when you first install iOS 8 on your iPhone and it says, "Hey, do you want to enable iCloud Drive. And then there's some little text under it. And it says, just FYI, if you enable iCloud Drive, you might break some stuff. Okay, thanks. Bye. And you're like, excuse me? Well, we're recording this before they release it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just had that turned off when they release it to the general public. I don't know. but Yeah, but we use the Golden Master, so I don't know. That's true. But the it is, I think it's a little scary right now because iCloud is an integrated system to work with the Mac and the iOS devices. But on the Mac, the integration is really coming with Yosemite, which will probably release next month. So we've got this weird period in the middle. And this is kind of the same thing with the iCloud photos. It's we've got this kind of like transition period where they've they've got the ball there on the iOS, but they haven't got it there on the Mac yet. And I think that can cause some troubles. Now, uh, I through the beta, I've been using iCloud Drive. And you had to download in the developer portal special versions of the iWork apps, the iOS versions, but it syncs okay with my Mac versions and everything seems to be working okay. But, you know, in fairness, I'm using Yosemite too at the same time. Um, I think this is going to be exciting, but I think if you can wait a little bit, let's just let the dust settle. I don't think our listeners should be the people to figure out whether this works or not. I'd like everybody to just wait and let's just give it a week or two. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I was, I was a little concerned because the, the, and and we're using the, the GM is what I installed the error, not the error message. The warning message that gives you is a little vague because it doesn't exactly tell you what's going to work and what's not going to work. And I was concerned that if I did not, that if I did enable it, that I wouldn't have access to anything in iCloud, a la, you know, my one password wouldn't sync or drafts wouldn't sync or anything like that. But then I kind of thought, okay, well, maybe the opposite is true. And, and I really wasn't sure which way to go with it. But so I just left it off and it, it turned off that my iCloud stuff, at least as of now, seems to be syncing. I just don't have access to the enhanced iCloud drive features. Yeah. Okay, well, when it all gets sorted out, uh, uh, there's a bigger subject that involves iOS 8. It's not only do you have access to the files on iCloud, and uh, the iCloud, the ability to choose from iCloud is not going to be limited by the app sandbox. Uh, In iCloud, they have a a separate folder, for instance, for pages and keynote numbers, but you can also save files outside of those folders, and you also should be able to access them outside those folders. So it's a lot more like Dropbox being built into your system and being able to just put a bunch of files up there and access them from whatever application, you know, tickles your fancy. Uh, But uh, in addition to iCloud, Apple's become a lot more friendly for services like Box and Dropbox to to access their files from kind of like a universal file picker. And that's something that is also just kind of happening as this comes out. And, you know, I don't know where it's all going to end up, but it looks to me like cloud access is just about to get a lot easier on iOS. Mm, yes. And even more so when Yosemite comes out, I guess I was just really, really surprised that this was the way that they did it, but I'm overall yeah. excited about the feature. I think it's going to be great once it's ready for prime time. Yeah. And the question is, this is issuing into prime time now. So what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, 
So uh, what about health? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I've was kind of interested in the health apps because I have a couple of different health apps that I use. You know, I use, I use my fitness pal and I use Runkeeper a little bit to track, you know, cycling and, and when I go for walks in the neighborhood and I've got one of these withing scales that you made me buy. And so I thought, okay, this would be kind of cool is that this, this health app app is, is going to do all of these other things that I've been wanting it to do. And that's going to, it, all it's going to collect all of this information. And I think that's the idea behind it. But again, we're we're recording this a couple of days before anything releases. So maybe it's just the updates haven't come out. I'm not finding any information in that health app. Yeah, well, that's because it, this is app is a, it collects data from various sources and the third party apps like Withings and Fitbit and whatnot need to connect to this one app. And the idea is that They'll they'll collect the data, they'll share it with this kit, and you'll have one place that you keep everything. Uh, and this obviously the other penny to drop on this was the Apple Watch. Yeah, which it, which will it, it will collect, collect its own data. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know it, it is early, but I I can't imagine these third party developers aren't going to want to connect to this, especially if people are have got it on their phones and it's a, a nice user interface. I mean, one of the big problems is that these hardware manufacturers are making some really great innovative devices to collect health information for you. But you know, when it comes to creating an app and making a user interface, they stink. I mean, they don't, they don't have the expertise in it and they don't have the money or the budget to put it together. Right. And they, they make these applicate great hardware with apps that have terrible user interface. So Apple says, Hey, we'll take care of that for you. Get, you know, just plug your device into our app and then we'll make your data look great. So I, I can't imagine there's not going to be kind of an explosion of this stuff in the coming months after iOS 8 releases. It's coming. And I'm I'm excited about it. The other thing they've got is they've got a nice feature for, um, uh, you know, kind of setting this emergency card. And, you know, some people may think that's a little bit of an invasion of privacy, but it, it can also be a, a good thing. You can set emergency information inside the health app and you can add what you want. You can put things like your blood type. You can put an emergency contact. You can put your medications if you want. Um, you can put certain health conditions. It's all voluntary of what you what you want to put in. And that can then become available on the lock screen. And, you know, when you click the little emergency button on the lock screen, there's an option now to see that information. So just be aware that the information that's on that app um, is accessible to anybody who has physical access to your iPhone. But you may want that to be accessible. Yeah, I mean, if you've got some real bad uh, medical allergy, you know, if you're allergic to some medicine and uh, you get in an accident, the paramedics can look at your phone and, and see what that problem is and make sure they don't cause any further trouble. And and hopefully after a while, the, they'll know to go look here. Yeah, I suspect they will. Um, so it, they just keep adding on. So there's some great new features with iOS 8. Um, but there there is also some changes to the design and the interface of the system. Um, I guess the, the one of the big ones is, to me, is interactive notifications. Now, you've been using the beta just a little while. Have you already got hooked on these intera interactive notifications? I love interactive notifications because if something pops up or if a text message pops up or something that I need to deal with and I already happen to have my iPhone open and, and I'm using it, Normally, the way that that would happen is a notification would pop up. I would see it, and then I go, oh, 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 wait, I got to do something with that. 
and and then it would be gone. And then I would have to stop what I'm doing, back out of what I'm doing, go and find wherever that notification came from and take action on it. And that's not the case anymore. I can just tap the notification and, and do whatever I need to do. So how it works is if, if you get a text message or some type of notification that you can respond to, it has a reply or a response button right there. And you just tap it and it allows you to do it right in that little component rather than go into the individual app and it doesn't take you out of, of where you're at. It's great. Works for mail, reminder, tweets, Facebook. Um, the uh, They also have another feature that I really like called recent or favorite contact. So if you double, you know, you, you've always had the ability if you double tap, it gives you the app cards that you can you know, slide across to use the, the palm words, uh, you know, you, you know, the um, app selection screen where you can, you know, double tap, and you can swipe across various apps. When you do that now, it also has a list of the most recent contacts that you've had any interaction with, whether it's a message or a phone call. And it's so convenient because usually you're trying to contact somebody you've already been contacting and you just double tap and you see the faces of your family or coworkers or whoever you want to contact and you tap on it and you're off to the races. Have you tried that feature? It, I, I, I've used it because it's right there and it's so convenient. It seems like that was just wasted space before. Was there anything up there before? No, it was just the app. They just made the app. Um, the windows a, a, little a little bit little, bigger, a little bit smaller, little, rather. Yeah, they, they shrunk them a little bit. So you've got room across the top. Right. And it's a very nice, you know, you know, you can tell the people that Apple are using the phones and and they run into their friction points and say, hey, we need to do something about that. Um, uh, another... Uh, app that got a lot of love, I think, is is the Mail app. And a lot of people love to hate Apple Mail for various reasons, and some of them are justified. I frankly use it most of the time. Uh, there are some great third-party mail apps. We could probably do a show on third-party mail. Like we're going to go back to email pretty soon because there's some developments I want to talk about. But just for now, the Apple Mail app got better. Um, one of the really nice features is customizable swipe functions. And this is something that has existed in third-party apps for a while. And this isn't as robust as it is in some of those third-party apps, but it's still pretty nice. So not only can you swipe um, left to right to get it to do something, you can also swipe right to left. You, in fact, you've always been able to swipe right to left to open the delete dialog, but now you can do more stuff. You can flag a message. You can move it to a folder. Uh, it, it, there's a little bit of an art form to it because if you swipe all the way, it will archive or trash it depending on how you've done the settings. But if you just swipe, swipe like halfway and let go, then it gives you some options. Have you, have you played with that Katie Floyd? I love that. Yeah, it's really great. And it allows you to get through your system really fast. I have it. It's customizable. So you go into the, uh, mail contacts and calendars button and settings and the swipe functions are customizable. So like you can make it so it trashes them or archives them. I usually archive them. And I've got now to a point where I can get through the inbox even a lot faster um, using those swipe functions, which is great. Now, have you customized yours at all or do you do? Yeah, the... I have. Okay. What, have. what are yours now? I have to go look because I am. Um, it's, it's like one of those muscle memory things. I, I can do it, but I can't tell you what it is without looking at it. Uh, so it's in. I believe it's in, so you go to settings and there's a mail contacts calendars setting and under mail. Hold on. Swipe options. So uh, if I swipe all the way left, I can flag a message. If I swipe right, I archive the message. Swipe left. Flags it, swipe right, yeah. archives it. Okay. And I think the default feature is mark as red if you swipe left. 
And I, I use it to flag it. And I very rarely flag messages, but it's it's nice to have that. What would be really cool is if I could even have more power over that, like I could send it to a certain folder if I wanted to. And some of the applications do that. I believe Boxer gives you the ability to do that, as does a couple of the other uh, third-party apps. But, you know, I'll take this. It's a good start. Excellent. Uh, what else can you... Oh, the, the mail pane has also gotten better in terms of you can pull down a message if you're in the middle of composing it, if you need to go back and reference your um, your notes for something. So if somebody sends you a message, you want to reply to it, or you need to go back to your inbox, you can just, oh, I'm just going to stick this right here down at the bottom for a minute. That's a great feature. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and probably one of my favorite features for mail is, you know, I've gotten on this bandwagon now with you where I don't like all of these extra notifications going on, but sometimes I need, I've got something going on and I, I need to know when it's going on. And so you can mark specific conversations or specific threads in mail as yeah. VIPs. Yeah. And just, you know, just think about that. I don't know what you do for a living as you're listening to this show, but I'm sure there are a few email threads that are suddenly really important. And it's not necessarily even the people. It's just everybody involved with that transaction or that thread. So set it as a VIP. And when a message comes in, you'll get it immediately. Yeah. Problem solved. Boom. I love that. But I I haven't been able to see, I think it just has to be a specific reply to that message. It can't, it's not just those people. It's a specific reply no, to that message. It's, it's the thread. So if someone writes a brand new email and doesn't reply in the thread, then you're not going to get a VIP notification. So, But since almost nobody except me does that, I think you're okay. <laughs> so don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it on a thread with me because I, I am known for, I mean, I don't like these long, long threads. A lot of times I will just start at some point. I will just start anew. Um, uh, spotlight got some nice improvements too. Um, it still does apps and contacts and mail, but it, it also goes further now. It does Wikipedia, it does news. Uh, um, it can search near nearby places. I, I like that. It'll search the, the app store. Yeah, because I was looking for something the other day, and I thought it was an app that I had on my phone, and I didn't, but it was an app that I had bought, and it popped me into an entry for the App Store. So I clicked it thinking I was going to go to my phone, and no, I went to the App Store instead, but that was that was fine. And I, I understand it's supposed to do the iBookstore, too. Yes. I, oh, I I've been did... meaning to. I've been meaning to. What happens if I search for email? That's probably not a good example. Or presentations. I just searched paperless, and it it gave me an option in the app store, but it did not go to my book in the iBook store. So, it, so I'm not happy about that. Mm, I see paperless <laughs> post. What the heck is that? Something yeah. in the app store. Yeah, that's not you. Okay. Um, so mm. Spotlight's better. But not as good because it doesn't have the Max Sparky suggested website, so it's still a that, fail. That is not acceptable. Yeah. All right. Well, well, version 8.0.1, we'll fix that. Yeah. We're going along the show, gang. Yeah. There, there's Maybe a lot more to talk about. Yeah. And so let's let's take a quick break for a minute and let me talk about our third sponsor for this episode. And that's our buddies over at Squarespace. You know, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy and fast for you to create your own special blog, portfolio, website, online store, whatever it is that you need. And back by popular demand, we have gotten so much feedback about this coupon code uh, is you can save 10% off your purchase if you go to squarespace.com and use the coupon code shut up Wesley. People just really that resonates with them for whatever reason. I think it I think it the reason is it's universal. Both Star Wars and Star Wars fans appreciate that. 
both Star Wars and Star Wars fans. Okay. Yeah, and Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, one of the things that I like about Squarespace, among so many things, is that they have got these interactive design templates that you can use to create gorgeous websites without having to know a lick of code. But my website is going to look beautiful on Safari in your web browser, in Chrome on your web browser, probably in Internet Explorer, although I haven't checked. But it's going to look great on your iPhone, too, because it has these responsive designs. And it's going to look great on these new iPhone uh, Plus and, and and regular iPhones. So whether you've got a three and a half inch screen on a really teeny tiny old iPhone, or whether you've got a four inch screen, or whether you've got a 4.7 inch screen, or whether you've got a 5.5 inch screen on whatever mobile device you happen to have, if you've got a Squarespace site, you know how much work you have to do to make your site look good on that? Absolutely nothing, because Squarespace has done it all for you behind the scenes. Pick your template, customize it to your heart content. It's drag and drop easy. Pull your photos in, pull your content in. It will even auto import your content uh, from your other provider uh, with multiple different types of, of services. It will auto import your content in. Customize it however you want, and then when you're ready, take your site live. Their plans start at only $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. If you want to do e-commerce, like an online store, they can do that too because every site comes with a basic online store, and depending on what you have to sell or how much of it you have, uh, you can configure it as, as well as you want. So you can start a free trial with no credit card required. Start building your website today. Take 14 days to go ahead and, and figure out what you want. Um, you know, design that new blog, design that new portfolio, design that new store that you've been wanting to do and, and take test, take it for a spin. But if you need any help, uh, keep in mind that Squarespace has 24 seven customer support through live chat and email. Uh, and their support folks are located throughout the globe. They're in New York city. They're in Dublin and Portland all to provide you with whatever help that you may need along the way. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, which I know that you will, uh, make sure that you use our special offer code, Shut Up Wesley, all one word, all uppercase, uh, to get 10% off your first purchase and to so show support for Mac Power users. So thank you to Squarespace for their support of the show. Uh, thank you for not having me spend my weekend do anything to update my site to make sure that it looks good on, on all of these new devices that were just released. Uh, and remember that a better web starts with your website and Squarespace. You know how I'm always teasing you about uh, Star Trek? I haven't noticed, no. If I met Patrick Stewart, I would just completely lose it. Yeah, he'd probably tell you to shut up. I, I have such a crush on that guy. I don't know what it is. He <laughs> just seems like such a cool guy, too. Yeah, I think he is. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, let's So let's talk a little bit more about... Um, Something that's near and dear to me, which I don't have a lot of information to share on, frankly, is, is family sharing. I mean, that's one of the big, you know, tentpole features of this is, you know, we have on the show talked many times over the years about the struggles I face with my family. And we hear from listeners all the time that have the same problem. You know, you have one when they first came out with the iPhone, uh, you know, prior to iPhone everybody had a single iTunes account for a family. It just made sense because we all had these iPods. We didn't really track data. We just had music. So it made sense to buy all your music on one account and then you could share it with all your devices. That made a lot more sense than buying the album three times for each user's account. And then when I think the big transition period was when uh, it was mobile me it was called at the time mobile me came out and they said, okay, we're going to allow everybody to have their own free mobile me account and they can add extra data if they want. So uh, 
the problem was, okay, well, if everybody in my family is going to have their own mobile me account, because we want each person to have their own calendar and their own contacts. And there's certain things that we want to have distinct data or email account, of course. Um, but then what about all this stuff we bought on this shared family account? How are we going to make that work? And that was a big concern at the time. And Apple solved the problem by saying, we're going to split it up. You can have your mobile me, which has subsequently become iCloud account for your calendars and all that stuff. But you can have your app purchases and your iTunes on a different account. So everybody took the family iTunes account and everybody probably listening to this show that has more than one person in their home understands the drill. When you set up a new device, you go into the tab and you set the app purchases and music purchases on one account and you set the rest of it on a separate iCloud account. No, no, no. People don't understand that drill and that's a problem. Yeah. Well, that's how you do it. And and we've talked about it on our show. So, so a lot of our listeners know the drill, but it's really confusing. And more than that, uh, there is a, a device limit on this iTunes account. I can tell you what it is if you'd like to know, because I deal with it in my life every day. It's 10 devices, and that includes the Macs. So I've got four people in my house. At this point, we all have a Mac. So there goes four. We all have an iPhone. So there goes eight. And most of us have iPads, which gets us north of 10 very quickly. And the kids, the kids have a solution. Whenever they have a device that stops working, they know where to go. And they just go in there and disconnect dad's iPhone or iPad from (laughs) iTunes. And then things just stop working. And I don't understand why. And it's just, it's just crazy. Not to mention, according, you know, Apple thinks that I like Hannah Montana music because, you know, know, know several years ago, my daughters were buying it. Uh, Not anymore, by the way. But anyway, um, the, uh. So it's just it's just really kind of a the whole thing's kind of a hot mess. And so this family sharing is the problem. And this is another one where I believe in my bones. This is something that's been driving people at Apple crazy too. And I don't think it's necessarily Apple's, you know, responsibility in a lot of ways because I think a lot of this comes down to the licensing agreements with the various media companies that allow them to sell stuff. But uh Apple has enough weight now that they were able to convince them to do this new family sharing. So how does it work? Every person can have their own account and they can buy apps and their music through that own account, which is something that has always been available, but it doesn't solve the problem I talked about earlier saying, well, what if I buy, you know, the new passenger album and my daughter wants it? Um, Well, you know, she would have to buy it on her separate account. Uh, But with family sharing, if you have family sharing, uh, anything that you buy app or music on one app, and I believe this is true for movies too, though I haven't tested it. Um, anybody else on the same account can also get access to it and add it to their account, which solves the problem. In order to make this work, they all have to be using the same credit card, which is fine for a family because you're all using the same credit card anyway. Um, and it works for up to six people in a family and you have the ability to share purchases without sharing an account and it solves the problem. So if I have my own account, then I can have reliably my iPad, my iPhone and my Mac connected to my to my system without having my kids going in and disconnecting me later. So I'm very excited about that. Um, uh, I'm curious to see how it works. One of the questions I have that have not been answered yet as we record this is what about iTunes match? Cause we really rely on that. Am I going to have to get an iTunes match subscription for every one of those accounts? Or if I subscribe, you know, if I pay my 25 bucks 
on on you know the my account does it apply to other people there's there's still a, a few questions we haven't answered uh, throughout the beta process i've been a little nervous about you know putting this in place in my house because i don't want to screw up all the phones and the computers in the house and then have my family come after me with pitchforks but if they can deliver on the promise family sharing i think is going to solve a lot of problems okay so technicalities of this because you, you kind of glossed over them a little bit one credit card. So dad's or mom's credit card likely is still connected to this. I'm really so, hoping someday it's my daughter's credit card. That's yeah, my well, you know, not not happening. So one credit card is using is being used to connect to all of this up to six people in a family. Um, and it, it, they make it really easy to share all these purchases. And then the other thing that the, you didn't mention, because your kids are probably beyond it. But you can also set up different limits for different age groups of kids. And so you could say, well, this kid, you know, is an older kid. They can kind of do whatever they want. Um, this kid, you know, they're allowed to s- spend up to this much and then I need to approve or or this kid, I, I need to approve all of their apps or I need to approve in-app purchases or things. And so the kids can actually ask you permission before they download things and you'll get a notification on your phone. You can say, eh, not happening. Yeah. You so. can even just ask for permissions before they buy anything. So if you've got, you know, a candy crush addict in your life, you can, you can, you know, you can put them on the, (laughs) you can stretch them out a little bit. Yeah. Now, again, this is kind of an evolving thing and Apple, it's taken Apple a long time to get to this place to get this much of a solution to this problem. And it's probably not a perfect solution, but it's pretty good. Um, You know, what happens when the kids grow up? Do they just lose everything and have to start over again? Well, I would think not because I well, think for, for music, probably not because the music's DRM free. Well, as I understand it and you know, we're going to, I'll report back to this because if we record this, I just don't have enough information yet. It, it really needs to be put into practice, which I can't do, you know, two days before the system goes live. But uh, as I understand it, if, if I go and pull some data off my wife's library, our shared library, once I put it into my library, it's in my library. It's not contingent upon us continuing uh, to have a shared account. If at some point I peel off my account and I put in a separate credit card and, and basically pull it out of the family sharing plan, they're not going to go and withdraw stuff out of my library. Uh-huh. We'll see. I hope so. I that we'll that would make sense. Yeah. I think it would be, I think there would be a lot of people really angry if they found out a few years later that that family sharing thing was only temporary. Yeah. So I I guess we'll find out, but that, that is something definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Um, another feat. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say the, the last big feature, well, there's one more that I'm, I'm specifically saving for last is continuity. And that's continuity is kind of a broad ranging term for a bunch of features. And continuity is a feature that is, is really not available unless you're also using Yosemite or most of the features probably aren't available unless you're using Yosemite. But it's this whole idea of that all of your iOS devices and all of your Macs are going to work with each other. So you'll probably get some limited use between your iPhone and your iPad. But in order for this to really shine, it, it, you're going to have to have Yosemite running on your Mac. Yeah, and I'm running Yosemite on my Mac, and this is awesome. Yeah. So a couple of things that that it can do, and again, continuity is kind of the the broad overreaching term for this. 
probably uh, one one that you've heard of is is handoff. Now this requires developers to integrate this feature in the app. So you're going to see it initially with all of the Apple apps and then expanding to other developers. But you know, for example, if you if you open up pages on your iPhone or your iPad and you start typing up a document on pages on your iPhone or iPad, you can also see an indicator on your Mac saying, "Hey, I see that you started a pages document. Do you want to continue this here?" And so it allows you to hand off that document in progress to your Mac. Um, same thing with an email. If you start typing an email on your keyboard on your iPhone, but realize that this is a little bit bigger email than I want to compose on an iPhone, you know, normally what you would do is just save it as a draft and then remember to go pick it up again and mail on your Mac. But instead, if you happen to be near a Mac, you can just hand it off directly to your Mac. And so that's a fun feature. Yeah, I think it's just a great idea for Apple because you know, they're the company that makes the hardware and the software and the back, you know, the back end services. They're in a very unique position to be able to make things work together. I mean, you, you can't go out and buy an Android phone and a Windows computer and have some feature like this. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. And this is really great. So I've been using it in the beta with the Mac. And, and because I'm a guy who's always moving around between devices, this really pushes all my buttons. It's great to start writing an email on one device and go to another or be reading a website on my Mac and then just pick up where I left off on my on my iPad. It's it's really nice. Um, and then one of the other features, one that I'm particularly looking forward to, is Apple is really blending and integrating the um, the cell related calling features um, with the, the iMessage features that you're already used to in your Mac. So, for example, it used to be that you would have the green bubble friends and the blue bubble friends, and your blue bubble friends would be your iMessage friends and your Apple friends, and they would show up on all of your devices, but the poor green bubble friends would only show up on your iPhone. And and so now the green bubble friends can come to your Mac. And so uh, if, you're, if your iPhone is connected to your Mac, you're going to be able to get SMS and text messages, not just iMessages, although I try not to associate with those green bubble people um, on your Mac. And you can also, again, if your iPhone is in range, maybe it's just in a bag somewhere or, you know, in the room next door, uh, you can pick off uh, and make phone calls from your Mac using the, the Mac's built-in or, or if you happen to have plugged-in external uh, speakers and headphones. Yeah, microphone. that's another we're going to do a show on Yosemite when it comes out, but um, it's pretty nice. Like even just to be in on your Mac and go to spotlight and type Katie Floyd and then just tap on the little phone icon next to her name and then your computer dials her using the cell connection from your phone and plays it through the speakers. And you don't have to pick up the phone and the phone doesn't even need to be in the same room, so it we're going to do a show on Yosemite, so let's let's hold off on some of that stuff. But it's 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 really nice uh, included functionality. Uh, I think the big you know the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about yet is extensions, and I want to get into that. But before we do that, I'd like to talk about our last sponsor, which is very timely. It's the Omni Group, and particularly I want to talk about Omni Focus for the iPad version two, and it's coming out. It just came out as the show goes live. I've been using it for a while in the beta and. 
you know, OmniFocus on the iPad, I always felt like was one of the real eye-opening apps for the iPad. It was one of the apps that showed me how great the iPad could be. And when uh, the Omni Group started updating their apps, last year they updated OmniFocus for the iPhone, and then they just recently released the update for the Mac. All of a sudden, the the OmniFocus on the iPad felt really long in the tooth. It didn't have the look of the new version, but even more importantly, it didn't have all the functions because they've added some great features like the forecast view and the better reviews and some of these, these features they've added. Well, they've solved that problem. Now they've released OmniFocus 2 for the iPad, and it is fantastic. Uh, some of the things I like about it is is forecast is right on that home screen. You can get right into it right now. And they've also added much, much improved support for perspectives. And if, you, if you're a user of OmniFocus, you know what I'm talking about. These perspectives are what really give it power. You can create your own custom filters how uh, that govern how you see your data. So if you've got a big responsibility, a lot of tasks you're responsible for, you can set up custom filters that allow you to do this in bite-sized pieces. And we just did a show on task management a few weeks ago, so you can go listen to that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, up until now, it's always been one of these things where you had to create the perspectives on the Mac, and you couldn't do that um, on the iPad or the iPhone. And that's because of the device's limitations. That's not true anymore. With this new version, they've got an in-app purchase for a pro version that allows you to not only access your perspectives, but to change them. I get emails all the time from people saying, look, I don't really like using my Mac. I just want to use OmniFocus on my iPad and my iPhone. And they said, is there any, what's, what, what, what am I going to lose if I do it that way? And my, my standard response is, and I think I even have a text expander snippet for it is you can't create custom perspectives unless you've got the Mac version, which is a huge, you know, tool when you're using OmniFocus. Now you can, you can create them right on the iPad. They look great. You can customize them and share them across. So they've solved that problem. Uh, the new version's got some some additional great features. It's got an, a really nice look, like uh, OmniFocus Two on the iPhone does. It's got the you know, you just drag down to sync. It's got the background sync now, so everything is synced when you do it. Um, there's just a lot to love about this new version. Uh, you can go and find it in the App Store right now. It's OmniFocus Two for the iPad. Uh, the people at the Omni Group worked really hard at this. They're very proud of it. Uh, I'm going to have a, a big review going up on the Max Sparky website before the show goes live. So we're going to try and get in the show notes. If not, just go to MaxSparky.com and you're going to get a much bigger description of what I'm doing with it. Even maybe a couple screencasts if I can get my act together. And uh, thanks, Omni Group, for supporting us. But I really want to recommend to all our listeners out there, if you use an iPad to manage your tasks, check out OmniFocus. It, it will solve a lot of problems for you. All right, David, it's the moment that we've all been waiting for and, and the moment that I think we've been most excited for since we saw this teased in WWDC, but extensions have come to iOS, which means our sandboxed apps, although they're still sandboxed, they get to play with each other. Yeah. So, and I talked about this at the top of the show a little bit. If you've got an application that wants to put data somewhere else, it was always very difficult to do that. And the example that Apple used when they announced this is photo apps. And I think this is a great example because you've got a photo, which is a large file on your phone and you've taken the picture and photos and you've opened in the photos app. And suddenly you want to apply a filter that you've got in some other third party uh, photo app that you really like. Um, but you know, it doesn't, it, it's not connected. So what would you have to do? You'd have to basically open it in that third-party app. Make another copy, save it, and save it back out into your photo roll. 
film so camera. so yeah you so you had a copy in that other app that you would manipulate and make it look beautiful and then you want to get it back into your photo roll so you have to send it back you have to do this round trip process not only does it add a lot of extra files to your your device it also it's just very inconvenient so what they've done now is they have these extensions so uh whatever you know name your favorite third-party photo modifier app and they're going to plug into photos so you can say, hey, I've got this picture I took of, of my pet bunny rabbit, and I want to apply a filter that takes all the color out except for its pretty eyes and the pink in its ears. Uh, and I've got this app. I want to do it. Well, it'll run that app basically as a little component inside Photos. It won't make a copy. You'll do it right there in the source, make the changes, and then it'll put that extension away when you're done. It's a great way to make things more efficient on your system, to avoid additional data, and to really empower your your main apps with all these additional extension apps. I think it's going to change the way people do things. And for a lot of people who who just are never going to send a picture to a third-party app because that scares them, uh, they're going to suddenly find all these extra tools they didn't have before. Right. And Apple has done this on a somewhat limited basis, at least initially in iOS 8, although I think they've given us some of the big ones that we've asked for. You know, you've already talked about about keyboards, um, and, and that's a big one. That's a big one that, honestly, I wouldn't have expected us to give them, but but they did. Um, probably in addition to the, to the photo extensions that you've talked about, another popular one is browser extensions. So you're going to start to see tools like, I think, Reader has already... Um, updated or I'm sorry, pocket, uh, pocket has already updated so that they've got a browser extension within Safari. So if you open a page in Safari, there's now a share button to send directly to pocket within Safari, assuming that you've got the pocket app downloaded. And, you know, I know Evernote is working on extensions and let me interrupt there just for a second. So it it doesn't show up automatically. That's true. That's true. There's that share button. You know, you have that share button. It's a little uh, rectangle with an arrow pointing straight up. And historically, if you tapped on that, it gave you Apple-approved sharing, which yeah, was like Twitter, Facebook, email, message, email, yeah, and then also reading list, which is Apple's Read It Later service. But that was a that was verboten. You could not get into that. If you're a developer, there's no way you could get into that list. It was only whatever Apple wanted. Uh, so now if you go at the end, there's a little ellipsis there. You tap on that and it gives you a list of all the apps installed on your iPhone or your iPad that are willing to add their own extension to that. Um, and, and as we record this, the pocket release hasn't come out yet, but it, it's supposed to be due any day. I'm sure it'll be out when they release iOS 8. So you could, for instance, click the button for pocket. And I would, I bet you a nickel that Instapaper is going to have one too on day one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden the pocket or the Instapaper icon shows up in that same list as messages and email and the other stuff. And you can even rearrange that. You could put it at the front of the list if it's really important to you. Uh, OmniFocus is going to have one. So they, if, yeah, you're they on, do have one. if you're on the web page that you like, um, you can tap a button and it adds the web page to OmniFocus as a task. It's just... Suddenly, you know, getting information out of your browser to these other applications is a lot, lot easier. So uh, this is going to be really great. And and the the one thing that I'm a little disappointed at, but I understand why they did it, is you have to activate it. You have to go in and activate it because I think a lot of people aren't going to realize that this option's even there. Uh, I understand why they did it because they don't want there to be like 30 applications listed on that bar and just make people crazy. But but boy, for the people that know it's there, they're going to really be able to do some impressive stuff. Um, Drafts is coming out with an update that 
that accesses a lot of this stuff. And also drafts can be a recipient of things. So like you can have text selected and send it to drafts. I mean, it's just, it's amazing what, you know, this is really going to open up a whole new world of workflows. Uh, one of the ones I saw, and, and I guess there's a third category. I'm like, I'm kind of excited if you can't tell, um, where they can put it into the today view, you know, that today view, when you pull down from the top of your device, that's another thing that has always had only information there that Apple wanted there. I think well, those are called widgets. Okay. Well, those widgets, you can now customize what, what appears there. OmniFocus will show up there. Um, drafts will show up there. I mean, this is just the ones that as the thing launches, I saw a, a website, um, you know, for the hue light bulbs and they had posted a screenshot of a widget they had created for your hue lights. So you could have your phone and you could just scroll down, you know, pull down the today view without going into any application and start turning the lights off on and off inside your house. Well, what a great way to do that. This is going to be really fun. And that's why I think iOS 8 is interesting because it's going to be one of these these upgrades that just starts really giving even after you install. It's not going to be that immediate wow factor. It's going to be look at your phone in three months and realize how many things you're doing differently because of all this great interact communication we have. Uh, you don't sound sold. You're, you're very I quiet. am so sold. I'm so excited. I'm just waiting for my apps to update. Yeah. Or, so. or another thing that they're allowed is now access for Touch ID. Oh, that, so, that's big one. That's big one. And I think that's only a matter of time before, like, your banking websites are going to allow you to log into your banking app with your Touch ID. And because they're Apple, they did it smart. They're, they're not giving the bank access to your fingerprint. They're just, it's basically a yes or no switch that's handled on the secure enclave on the chip. You know, on, on these iOS devices, they have a section of the chip that keeps that secret data. And... And so the banking website or one password or whatever security app you have can say, uh, is that Dave's fingerprint? And it'll say yes or no. It doesn't tell you what the fingerprint looks like. It just gives you the yes or no answer and says, okay, then I can do something with that. Um, now, do you think the, the touch ID specifically is going to get wide adoption? I know, I, I know certain apps like one password and I think mint and a few others are going to stop adopt starting adopting it, but you know, Bank of America, although I don't know, but Apple just did a, a partnership with Bank of America for, for Apple Pay. So maybe some of those apps will start adopting it. I think they're probably going to give you an option. And I suspect, at least with banking stuff, because they're so, you know, panicked about this, is they may give it as, a, as an additional verification, like you give a passcode and a thumbprint. Yeah, or I mean, maybe a, I think a, about those those apps that have a secondary passcode, like like Dropbox. You can you can add a secondary passcode too. Yeah, or Evernote or things like that. So yeah. Are, but the, Exc exciting times. Extensions are so exciting, but I just want to stress to people is that there are going to be a, a number, and we already know about them, um, and and look for releases. I know Federico is is working crazily over at Mac Stories on on releases. There are going to be a number of these that are available for release on iOS launch day, but you're also going to start seeing a number of them roll out over the next couple of weeks as well. I expect I'm going to spend a good deal of money in the app stores as some of this stuff comes together. Yeah, I think you will. I'm going to be trying keyboards, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, this, this is, you know, when I picked up my phone and I said, huh, is iOS 8 on this thing? I, I realize that although it may not appear on the onset to be such a, a big update, under the hood, this is huge. And I, I don't know that 
the non-power user will necessarily realize that right off the bat. I mean, is the everyday person going to use extensions and widgets and and keyboards and things like that? I, I hope they will. Yeah. Uh, I did ask on Twitter uh, to listeners, because, hey, we've gone this long. We can go a little bit longer. Sure. <laughs> Users, we're going to cover, I'll say, what are your questions? And there was a couple good ones. Uh, Henry wrote in and said, you know, where are my priorities with respect to expansion, extensions? He said, text expander is obvious, but then what? Um, I think you want to look at the productivity apps you're using. A lot of productivity apps are going to just plug right into it. So you're going to want to go into, like, in the Today view for the widgets, there's an edit button at the bottom. And that ellipses I was talking about, tap on that and just see what apps you're already using that have already plugged into the system and try those out. That's a good place to start. Um, I'm really curious to see what people do with keyboards. I think some of them are going to be goofy and not really that useful, and some of them are going to be really useful. Um, the uh, What are some of the other questions? How does it perform in comparison to iOS 7? Uh, I ran it on a iPhone 5S throughout all the beta testing that I did. I also ran it on a non-Retina um, iPad mini, which is, I guess, the equivalent of an iPad 2. And it seemed to work okay. I didn't really see a lot of problems. I didn't test it thoroughly on that device. Um, I don't think... In terms of like graphics pull, it's not going to be, it's about the same as iOS 7 in a lot of ways because they didn't change a lot. Um, this other stuff I don't think is going to be really processor intensive as much as this kind of underlying system things. But you know what? Read the articles. When when they release it, there's always people that, that will tell you, you know, what devices it works and doesn't work on. Sometimes I think Apple is a little bit too liberal with that, that they they, they allow things to run on older devices than they should. If your device is kind of at the bottom of the list, then you might want to wait and just see how things go. But I understand where they're coming from. It's kind of hard because if they don't include the devices, then people say, well, now you're forcing me to buy a new device and you're being mean. So, well, I and, hard- and I noticed and, and forgive me if I if I'm misremembering, but this now goes all the way back to iOS. I'm, I'm sorry, to um, the iPhone 4S. And did it originally go back that far when they announced it at WWDC? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I wonder if you have an iPhone 4S, you should probably wait. You should probably wait a week or two and just hear what people are saying. Mm. I think the big problem with some of those older devices is RAM. Apple just doesn't put enough RAM in these things, I think. Well, and we don't know what the RAM is yet on the new iPhones, but we, we think it's still a gigabyte. Yeah. All right. Any other big questions on, on iOS 8? I, I, I encourage people anytime there's a new iOS 8, make sure you've got a good backup. Go ahead and get updated. Um, but explore. Feel free to explore a little bit. Yeah, Have go fun. through the settings through, app. Yeah, That's- absolutely. Okay, let us know if there's something we missed or something that you really love about iOS 8. Uh, there's a way to, to let us know. Send us an email um, or send us a, 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 me- a voice message, and we'll put it on, on the live show. Um, you can reach us at uh, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. You can find our show notes at MacPowerUsers.com or over at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Uh, this is show 115, right? Uh, 215. 215. I, I don't 215. know what's wrong with me. Yep. This is show four, 472. Yeah, so close enough. <laughs> And um, the uh, and so you can go check that out. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, we're at Mac Power Users. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I am at Max Sparky. 
Did I miss anything? I don't think you missed it. And uh, we're going to be talking more about iOS 8. There's, there's a lot to talk about about iOS 8. We're, again, we're going to have our developer roundtable pretty soon. And, you know, when some of these apps get updated, um, we're going to start kind of circling back around to some of these apps again that are getting major iOS updates. So I'm really excited about the next couple of months that we've got coming here. Yeah, no shortage too. of topics. In a lot of ways, this feels to me as big as the original opening of the App Store. I think that's how big it is. It's, it's great. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And um, I, I can't I can't wait to, to share it with the Mac Power users listening. So All right. We've got on long enough. Good night, everybody. <laughs>